Hey folks, welcome back to the Growing Lean podcast sponsored by Lean Discovery Group, an award-winning software development firm based out of Virginia. This is your host, Dylan Burke, also known as Deej, and I'm happy to be here today with Alex Draper, CEO and founder of DX Learning. Welcome, Alex. Thanks for having me, Dylan. Yeah, great to have you here. So to get us started, can you give us a little bit about your history, your background, and how you ended up where you are today? Uh, yeah, br brief history. Uh, born in the UK, was training to be a teacher, realized that wasn't for me. Went into adult education, which is teaching adults about stuff, which is also just as bad as being a teacher because adults talk back. Um, went into sort of more of the, the management side of business, so the IQ, teaching strategy, commercial acumen, business acumen. Um, was pretty good at it. So they sent me to America to set up a, a US office for their, their operation. Uh, fell in love with America, told my boss I'm never going to go back because it's so much more fun than the UK. And uh, about five years into that, just really got a, a, a love and passion for the other side of, of running a business, which is the leadership side. So if you just think about IQ, EQ, IQ is more about the management of a business and uh, EQ is more about the leadership. So um, really started to get a passion for it. So much so that I started DX in 2015 for that pure purpose of, of helping leaders lead effectively because it's not easy. And uh, I've been doing that for the last eight years. I call it the eight-year experiment and managed to get through the first couple. And then COVID happened through a few spanners in the work and uh, just coming out the back end of, of a lot of hard work to get us back into a healthy balance sheet. Okay, amazing. And what exactly does DX Learning do? <laughs> yeah, if I was to meet you in an elevator, I'd go, hey, Dylan, uh, may, you know what? Maybe answer this question. I'll let, let's play, play this one for a second. All right. So um, what do you, for you, what's winning? What's, what's winning for you? What do you mean? Like, is there, is there a specific goal or a specific something as it relates to I, I'd like to get better at or I'd like to win more at something? Uh, I'd like to close more deals. <laughs> All right. So then I'd, I'd say, cool. So winning for you is closing more deals. Do you believe that you would close more deals if uh, the person that you, you had a much more, a stronger relationship with the person that you were closing deals with? Do you, do you believe that that's a human, if I got better at the human stuff, I'd actually close more deals? Yeah, 100%. So winning and caring, there's the intersection of the two is, is what our business is all about. We, we all want to win at something. But 99.9% .9 of the time, you're more likely to win it, at it if you get better at the human skills. Um, we do the human stuff. Um, that gets the hard stuff done. So... We've created some intellectual property called CARE. So CARE to Win is our platform. And we CARE stands for Clarity, Autonomy, Relationships, and Equity, which if you really think about it in, your, in, in winning deals, if my client has the clarity that they need, they're more likely to trust me. If, they're, if I give them a little bit of autonomy rather than steal their autonomy and give them a little bit of control, they're more likely to trust me and close a deal. If we have a connection versus they just see me as a number, more likely to close the deal. And if, we, if I'm equitable with them and I treat them fairly, they're more likely to close the deal. So that clarity, clarity, autonomy, relationships, and equity can pretty, pretty much be applied to nearly 
any situation where there's human interaction and that's our business we we maximize human potential to get stuff done so cares the soft skills the human skills to get the hard results done okay amazing and who are your typical clients is it corporations or is it individuals we don't do b2c so we're a b2b um, okay we typically work with ceos and heads of hr who who winning to them is like, look, we need to improve the employee engagement of our business, or we need to fix a manufacturing plant in which is not performing very well, or we're hemorrhaging people, we're losing too many people, what's going on here? Or our culture is just not strong enough. Look at Glassdoor, it's like people hate working here, what's going on? We're, we're, we work with companies that have made the choice that we've got a problem and it's down to humans and we just have no idea how to fix it. Okay, I see. Uh, thank you. Or sales, increasing sales. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and you briefly touched on it earlier, but I wanted to ask how is you how have you adapted to changes in the global climate? Um, first one being the pandemic, and second one being uh, in the last couple of years the main the entering of AI into the mainstream. Um, yeah. how have those two affected you? Yeah. Obviously very different ends of the yeah. scale. <laughs> so, so let me answer the second one first. AI is fantastic for us. So we have the agricultural revolution. We have the industrial revolution. We're going for the technology revolution right now. And it's, oh, we're, we're, we're running caveman software, our brains on technology hardware. And we hate it. Our, we're just not ready for it. So it's great for my business because AI doesn't care. Literally, it doesn't care about humans, nor nor yeah. do robots. So my business is all about care and human interaction, and we <laughs> need more of it now and ever. So it's a good time to be out. So culture and, and people treating people right, uh, the phone's ringing more than ever. So AI has affected our business in the fact that it's a reminder of the fact that the one thing that differentiates humans to robots and to AI is, is humanity and caring. Um, and that means people are talking about culture, uh, and treating people right more than they have done before. So that's that's how AI is changing our business. Um, I'm anti-AI. I, I, for me, AI makes humans more efficient to do more human stuff, which is good for us because that means in the time that we have together, we should be connecting and we should be figuring out how to provide more clarity, give more autonomy, build more relationships and connectedness and be more equitable. So AI should be that, but it's not being used in that way. But that's that's a whole different uh, conversation to have. So that's how AI is affecting us. And we're leveraging it, of course. I use it to help me write blogs. I use it to, to be more efficient so that I can spend more time with my people and my, my kids and my, my family. That's what AI should be used for. Uh, as anything that's good, we weaponize it. So story for another day. Yeah. Um, pandemic. Uh, it ripped my business to shreds. So um, up to 2020, March 2020, my business, I believe that the best way to teach the human skills to get the hard stuff done was actually in person. I, I believe to change behavior because humans are terrible. We don't like to, we don't like change, period. And to change behavior, it's much easier to get people to do it if we're stuck in the same place and I lock you in a room for a day and you're like, you ain't leaving until you figured out a way to better care for each other and and maximize the human potential in this in this group of people. Um, and I was wrong. Um, so March March 2020, I remember the day it was uh, I was about to get on a plane to California from Chicago to do a keynote for uh, for a client, and they called me 
they're like, Alex, uh, don't get on that plane. Um, we're canceling this. In fact, we're canceling quite a few programs. And literally soon after that, another client called me and said, hey, with that program next week, it's done. And then again and again. And, and I just I just went back to the airport lounge. I got a lot of glasses of wine. I'm like, this is much bigger than the, the flu that everyone's saying it is. It's, this is the problem. Like I'm I'm losing business literally in a, in a day. I lost nearly half our business. And in a week, I lost it all. And we had zero revenue for six months. Blessing, curse, curse, blessing, um, made me force me to rethink the business and look at us now. We now do, we've now leveraged technology. We now do what we did in the class and we do it just as good virtually. And I can now touch people sat at my desk in South Africa and England and in Asia. And it's just allowed us to touch more people. But but trust me, it, uh, to, to lose millions of dollars uh, overnight was, was no easy task. But uh, luckily got some money. I didn't fire anybody. I kept the team together, took on a whole lot of debt, which will be paying off for a long time. But that's my belief that culture eats strategy for breakfast. You get the right people, you treat them right, and they'll do great things. And they did. They they broke, helped me break down my business model and real build a new one and one that was better, which was pretty cool. That's that's amazing to hear. Um, it's crazy hearing the damage that COVID did to businesses and people. And what's better, what's awesome for me is hearing how people like work through it and found something better than there was before COVID that they could yeah. now do. Sorry, I, I'm struggling to articulate the thoughts there, but no, you get perfect. what I'm saying. Um, and it, it's honestly amazing like especially this whole work from home thing um it's just been such a huge shift in business dynamics and it's i think it's come out for the good on the other side and i guess that's the the silver lining we have from that awful awful time we went through there's a yes there's a yes and there's a no on that um so so gallup does an engagement survey in america the biggest one in america and from what March March of 2020 to what October November, they saw a 10% increase in employee engagement uh, over, across the board. I.e., I feel more engaged. I feel more connected. I feel like I can put more discretionary effort. Of course, why? Because people care about me. There was a 10% reduction from from October November onwards. And went back to pre-pandemic levels. Why? Because businesses stopped caring. Right? There was a literally an immediate knee-jerk. Holy my gosh! My book, my boss has got my back. They care for me. They're calling me up every day. Like, do you have COVID? Make sure you stay safe. <laughs> and 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 there was a people cared, and people stopped caring as soon as things got back to normal and and the money started. So we, and I, I live in America, so we we it's a capitalist society, and 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 that's. But what we're seeing now is a not a return to the that, that sort of pandemic caring, but we're, we're seeing that the companies that do care and the leaders that do care are actually getting, uh, attracting better talent, uh, and keeping better talent and making, performing better than the ones that don't. Um, and, and I think you touched on it. That's why I went down this path was that return to work, that hybrid thing. You're seeing it a lot, come back to work and forcing you back to work. You cared for me during the pandemic but now you don't care for me. Like I've given you all, I've given you everything. And in fact, I've performed better, but now you're making me come back. And that, that was where now we're seeing the companies that are going to do that will actually fare less than the ones that actually give the autonomy, give the autonomy and flexibility for their people to do great work. 
Yeah, 100%. Um, I even, so I got offered a job in Cape Town, like 10 minutes drive from me. And it was pretty similar to the one I'm doing now, which is based in Virginia. And the reason I chose, or one of the reasons I chose this remote job uh, based in Virginia is because I, I could work from home. This other one didn't have a hybrid offer. They'd never remote thing. So I had to go in every day. I had to put on a fancy shirt and tie and I had to go into the office every day. And now I can just, although I'm thousands of miles away, I can literally just roll out of bed, shower, look fresh from the top, top off up, <laughs> and I can do my work. I can save money on petrol. I can save money on yeah. any, everything, save time on the commute. Um, it's just, it's such a huge difference. Like I get an extra hour and a half a day, um, just not driving around and traveling. And it's, yeah. it's changed my life. Which is your choice. And, and I, I saw a comedian a couple of weeks ago, um, went on a date with my wife, went to Zane's here in Chicago. And uh, the, the comedian, and he's quite famous, I forget his name, John Carpulo. He's like, look, I was asked to, in a pre previous life, I was asked to work from home. In fact, we had a work from home only approach. And I lived in Manhattan and I only had a studio. Can you imagine working from home in Manhattan with fire engines and all sorts of things in a studio that's probably, I can, if I roll out of bed, I roll into my sink. And it was true. It's like, so, so I, I don't think there's a one size fits all approach. I think this is just the, the, the modern workplaces. We meet our people where they are at. We, we allow them to be their best self and do their best work. There is no cookie cutter approach. You work best in, in a in a remote workplace. I, I actually quite like going to the office once or twice a week. I actually want to get away from my my house because there's only so much I can tolerate of, of, of this. I think we're all different. I think that's the problem that we've got is, is to build an effective culture and to be an effective leader, you have to adapt, you have to evolve, and you've got to meet people where they are. That's the E of equity and of the care. Our IP is equity is, is to treat is to provide the attention and resources to those that need it the most. It's, and it's not a one, we can't be equal, we've got to be equitable. And I, that's important. And the ones that get that are the ones that are going to build thriving businesses. And the ones that don't get that, well, hey, we're making less babies, we have immigration issues, we have less people and less good people. You're going to be short of people and you need people to do your job, to yeah. do the work. Yeah, 100%. I realized while I was saying that, that it was quite a privileged thing to say, um, that mm -hmm. I've got a nice place to work from and i'm very fortunate for that but that's that's a great point is that while it works for me because i do have this house that i can work from comfortably it it, it definitely doesn't work for everyone especially in south africa so yeah. thanks for that. that that was a great point um i, I want to jump back to your business because <laughs> we are running out of time but what metrics or kpis do you use to measure the success of of your business, firstly of your business, and secondly of the people that you are coaching or teaching. Yeah. Um, so our business metrics are relatively simple. Revenue. So we're eight years old. Growth is is important. We're in a very low barrier to entry business of leadership development and human capital optimization. So there's there's lots of us. Um, we we need to grow market share. So revenue growth is huge. Uh, we have margins uh, that we need to protect. And of course, profits that we can share with my employees. We have a profit share scheme. So, uh, and things that benefit them. So I need profit to do that. So th those are the hard metrics. Um, because we're, we believe in if everyone, 
cares for people, better cares for people, the world's a better place, then our objective, mission and objective is to get our IP into the hands of as many people as possible. So I need to see the, you know, we do about 10,000 people per year. That needs to be 12,000 next year. We need more people to go through our through our experiences so that we can get more care out there. Um, so that's that's a hard metric. And then, of course, net promoter score, we need to know that what we're doing is being received well. Um, so those are some of the internal metrics um, of our of our business. How, how we measure success out there is, uh, we're, look, we're a behavior change business. We, we my, my saying is the culture of any organization is a mirror of its leader. So the CEO ultimately is a culture champion um, because how they accept the example is how they hold others accountable to that example. And then the, the next level down will behave similar basic mirror neurons. And so, but it starts with the culture as a mirror of leadership. Um, and you can measure that. So I can measure how someone effectively shows up through 360s pre and post, through engagement surveys pre and post. Um, and we have specific measures of specific behavior changes. So we, we literally measure um, people's behaviors before we enter and after we enter and track and measure that delta between the two and proven time and time again, if you do what's right and you change behavior for the better, you now you can't correlate business improvement to, to behavioral improvement, but there are some direct direct uh, percentage differences. If you increase leadership by X, you can expect to see an improvement in something, whether it's sales, whether it's employee retention, employee engagement, uh, a hard metric will go up at the same time. It's just basic logic. If I treat people better, they will do better work and will make more money. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I've tried to live my life by that as well. Just treat people well. And if they don't treat you well back, they don't deserve you. It'd be Run. a business, be it personal. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Run, That's... run for the hills. <laughs> you, got, you got a toxic leader, just run. Just run as far as you can. Exactly. And I have before. I have. There you go. <laughs> um, and on those metrics that we spoke about, what are you looking to improve? Uh, let's say in the short term, six months to a year, and in the long term, two to five years. Um, for for us, us as a business, retention <laughs> retention for me is huge. I, I can't. I'm a big fan of Jim Collins, right? Get the get the right people on the bus, get the hell out of the way, and give them give them a, a clear vision to go to go break down doors with. Uh, if you keep changing people, then how can you how can you achieve anything? Because then you've got to re-educate, re get them on on the vision. It's just improbable. So for me, it, it's taken me a long time to get a core group group of people that I trust. And to grow from. So my job now is to keep them. I, I, I've got seven extremely important people that that I trust, and now my job is to keep them, uh, to give them a clear vision and purpose, and to get the hell out of the way. There's your clarity, purpose, autonomy. Give it to them. Don't don't step on their toes. Build connectedness and relationships so that they feel a sense of belonging and purpose, um, and make sure I put my time where I'm needed. So I need to I need to care for them as I care for our clients but but ultimately retention of my people nothing matters more i mean i they want a 10 percent increase don't tell them this they want a 10 percent increase and in, 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 yeah, i'll give it to you right it's better to give you what you need than to go find someone else and do it all over again i don't think your listeners understand that importance right they if you treat people right and pay them what they deserve 
it's far better to do that and retain the best ones than it is to go, oh, I, oh, I can't pay you that much. Yes, you can pay them that much. Why, why do we scam people for a 5% increase? Because it's harder to find someone to replace them and re-educate them. It's just it, retaining the best employees. There's nothing more important and, and get out of their way. So that for me is the most important part of my business is, is retain my best and, and, and get a healthy profit so I can pay them what they deserve uh, and share the, and share in those profits. Amazing. I, I really love that answer. When I ask that question, most of the time is client retention, um, not mm. so much employee retention. And I think that makes so much more sense what you said, um, because it, it does. Uh, why hire someone and pay for their training when you can just bump up your current employees <laughs> pay slightly? <laughs> It makes so much more sense. And I really appreciate that. Um, Defies yeah, logic. I, exactly. I, I just looked at the time and we are unfortunately out. But what advice would you love to give to other business owners looking to succeed? Uh, not only in your industry, but in general. Culture, 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 culture. Many, especially small businesses, you know, five employees to 500, don't even give culture a glimpse. I, I just can't tell you the importance of having a North Star. Because uh, if you're clear on the culture, what, what you value and how people will be treated and you can hire on that, you can also fire on that. And, and just, again, read the book, Good to Great. Understand that it is about getting the right people on the bus, giving them the right vision and getting the hell out of the way. And as business owners, we suck at that. Um, our, our, our emotions get the better of us. Um, and that's not a good way to run a business. So to be really super clear on a core set of values, what's meaningful for you, create that with your team members, create a set of behaviors that you can hold your people accountable to, reward them for, celebrate good and consequence the bad, and therefore know who to hire because now you can, you've got a North Star to hire to and know who to fire. And there's no great employee that, is, that should ever treat people from a toxic and mean point of view. If you've got anyone who is an asshole, if you've got anyone who is mean to people and creates, just get them out. No, no, no money can can make up the bad, the, the the toxic environment that they're creating. And rip out weeds as soon as you can is my my one advice. Amazing, I appreciate that so much. Um, just based on the my previous employment history, I'm not going to say anything further, but. I appreciate that so much. And I wish I'd spoken to you a couple of years ago. <laughs> um, and yeah, thanks, Alex, for, for your time today. I've really enjoyed chatting to you. What's with the best way for people to, or what is the best way for people to get in touch with Alex Draper? If you have any offers for them or if they're looking to follow your journey. Yeah, um, check me out on LinkedIn. So Alex Draper, DX Learning. Uh, I put, I got a newsletter there, all the stuff I talked about today. I, I constantly put most messages out of my own problems. Trust me, I made a, I made every mistake you can ever imagine, and I put those out every month. So sign up to my LinkedIn newsletter. Uh, dx-learning.com is our website. Check out our blog. Same, same. We, we're always putting out content for you to learn from, and I'm, I'm the one who makes most of the mistakes. So <laughs> I make mistakes so that you don't have to. So those are the two best places, my LinkedIn and uh, our website. Amazing. Thank you so much. No, thanks for having me. Appreciate it.